Hey everyone, you are listening to the Covenant Grace Church podcast. We are a gospel-centered community on mission with Jesus in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jade. Um, as you know, we're in a 11-part series through Hebrews 11, and today we're in part four. Um, let me begin by saying that as a pastor, I'm I often get to speak to people who are struggling with decisions that didn't quite work out the way they expected. You know, they approach a decision, it's a big decision, and they do the right thing. They pray about it. They, they pray about it. They get input from other people. They get wisdom from others. And then they take a step of faith, take a step of faith, only for it to be a mess, or for it to end in disaster, or for it to all go wrong. And so I often sit in situations like this where the question is asked, well, what did I do wrong? Did I have enough faith? Did I not have enough faith? Did I, did I even have faith? You know, I thought I took a step of faith. I did pray about it. And these are questions that we wrestle with regularly when it comes to this idea of faith and decision-making and following God. And the truth is that it's actually entirely possible that these people who are actually us, I'm talking about us, did nothing wrong, really. And that's hard to accept because we want to find a reason why it went wrong. You know, we, we feel like we, we took that step of faith. And if you take that step of faith, then surely it should work out well. Where do we get that idea from? You know, we kind of have this weird background understanding that if I step out in faith, then it's all going to work out. It's all going to go really well. And so it's hard to accept that actually we could have done the right thing, and so things go bad, and that the step of faith really was a step of faith. And actually, I could be in the will of God. I could be right where God wants me. And that's a hard truth to realize. And actually, that's what we see in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a long list of men and women who stepped out in faith only for things to not go so well. The things that they expected didn't work out as they had thought. All of them, at some point, all of these heroes of Hebrews 11, at some point must have thought to themselves, what did I do wrong? And yet God has considered each of them worthy of that step of faith to be included in this great chapter that we are studying together. So I know this won't be of much comfort to you when, when you find yourself in these difficult situations. But the question then is, well, what do we do then? And the answer is, we join the club. We join the club. We join the cloud of witness club. We join the fellowship of faith walkers who often feel like failures club. Amen? And the good news is we're in good company here. We're in really good company that if we can join this club, this cloud of witness club, we are participating together with Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David and Gideon, etc., etc. We're in good, godly company. And so today, as we take a closer look at the calling of Abraham, part four in our series, 
We're going to be looking at the calling of Abraham. And in the Bible, we know that Abraham stands forth as the, the preeminent example of one who lived by faith. You know, Abraham is the father of faith. And so we need to just remind ourselves of a couple of facts about Abraham. When we first encounter Abraham in the Bible, we, we meet him in a strange place. He's, he's actually living as an unbeliever. He's not a believer when we meet Abraham. Before he's Abraham, he's Abraham. He's, he's not a believer. He's living in a far-off place by the name of Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. Is this region where he lived. And so when we meet him, it's on the banks of the Euphrates River. We see and we learn from all the bits and pieces that we have in the Bible and, and other extra biblical literature that, that him and Abe and Sarah were a prosperous couple. They were a prosperous family living in a very prosperous but idolatrous city. Ur of the Chaldees was a great city. It was a prosperous city. It was an economic hub. It was a place of great enterprise. But also it was a place of mass idolatry. And so we, we can quite easily come to the conclusion that Abraham and Sarah were pagans. They were pagan idol worshippers. And yet life had been good for them. It was, it was a good life. And it is at precisely this point that God breaks into Abraham's life and God dramatically calls him. Now, Hebrews 11 doesn't go into the details, but let's read our text for today. And then we're going to jump back into Genesis 12 where we pick up some more of the details. So just our reading for today, Hebrews 11 from verse 8 through 10, just these uh, three verses. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, what we're going to see and learn from Abraham is that Abraham displays for us a life of faith that is incredibly willing. This is about the willingness of faith, that, that faith produces. Faith in God produces a willingness, and we're going to learn three things about this faith of Abraham, this willing faith of Abraham. The first one is this, that, that faith is willing to go. Faith is willing to go. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed. He obeyed. The text says he went out. His willingness to go, and then it highlights this point. It's magnified by the fact that he didn't at first know where he was going. There was no information at first about where are we going. And so this really was a step of faith. It was an act of faith that was displayed in his willingness to go. Now, I'm sure if this was us, we would have dug our heels in and demanded a little bit more detail. We would have 
requested some more information. Before I go anywhere, God, I just need confirmation, all right? I need confirmation that this is from you. Well, Abraham didn't get this confirmation in terms of details. He did get some confirmation. We're going to look at that. But he didn't get the details at first. Imagine how it went down, okay? They, they walk out the door. Okay, which way, left or right? I don't know. There, therein, there's already a situation, a marriage issue, a problem. Abraham and Sarah disagreeing. Who knows? At this point in the narrative, we're not told. But when we go back to Genesis 12, and we have a look at how the narrative unfolded, we, we do see a few more important details. So let's have a look at those. Firstly, the thing that we see most here in Genesis 12, 1 and 2, is the promise of God. And this is the foundation of Abraham's assurance. This is the foundation of Abraham's faith. It's in the promise of God. It's not, again, remember, faith is not a leap into the dark. It has knowledge. It has a foundation. It has truth under it. It has facts upon which it rests. And so we read this, and I want you to notice the I will statements of God. God is making a promise, and he's going to fulfill it. So let's read together from verse 1. Go, he says, go. So that's the immediate command, and we see the willingness of Abraham. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So at first he has to go, and secondly, he will be given details as to where he's going. So the details do come. It's not like they're not there. God is going to show him, and we're going to see it becomes clear by verse 5. Verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So there's a whole lot there, but just notice the order. First, you've got to go. Then I will show you, and then I will bless you. That's the order, at least in this story. It might not be the always order. This isn't necessarily a um, directive to all the church, but at least at this particular point, we learn some lessons here. Abraham was willing to obey with very little information, but he had a promise. And the promise from God was enough. John Calvin in his commentary, he calls this passage the naked word of God. The naked word of God. Because there wasn't a lot to go on. It was just God's word. God's calling. God's call to Abraham. I'm going to do this for you. Now come. He didn't need all the answers in order to obey. He didn't need to check all the boxes. He didn't need all the details in order to be used by God. Sometimes in the church today, too many of us sit around paralyzed because we're waiting for all the answers before we do anything for God. Before we serve, before we engage, before we have enough info, or I don't have enough time, or I don't have enough details about the plan. What's the plan, God? And sometimes the plan is bigger than the details. Sometimes the plan is simply for you to trust and obey and to go, to trust Him, to take that step and to obey. Now, the interesting thing is that we, we assume it wasn't long after he had left that actually there were some details that were added. 
Because as we study the narrative in Genesis 12, we read that things did get clearer. Now notice, they get clearer, but they don't get better. So you take that first step, and the first step might feel, okay, cool, I'm doing things for God. You know, God is with me. I'm obeying God. And as you take the second step, things might get clearer, but they don't necessarily get better at least from a comfort perspective or from a worldly perspective. Because notice what the text tells us in verse 5, Genesis 12, verse 5. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. What Canaan? God, you said it was a land of promise. And God's like, yes, it's the Canaanites. I'm sending you into the land of the Canaanites. And Abraham's like, but... You don't understand. And God's like, no, I do. I get it. I know. I know more than you do. And Abraham's like, how on earth can there be blessing in the land of Canaan? I mean, this is a a violent people. This is a violent country. This is an evil country. This is an evil people. Abraham is thinking to himself, I took a step of faith, and now it's going bad. It's, It's going to get worse. Just think about how this unfolded for Abraham. You know, as he arrives in the land of Canaan, you would think that if he's doing God's work and he's stepping out in faith and he's following God's call, this is the call of God. And as he arrives in Canaan, there's no welcoming sign saying, welcome, Abraham. There's no housewarming party. There's no visit from the mayor with the keys to the city, he has the keys of Canaan. There's no welcoming committee. There's no discount coupons for the local market just to get you started in your new home. There's no local band playing bind us together, Lord, with Abraham, with chords that cannot be broken. There's none of this. In fact, all that Abraham encounters is that actually nobody cares that he's there. Nobody's expecting him, and nobody really cares. And so we learn right off the start that, that faith is a willingness to go, not knowing what lies ahead, but that God has called us. That God has said, I need to do this. Now, it might not be a call to go somewhere, but it might be a call to obey a command or a a, a thing that you need to adjust in your life. And you're thinking, but how's this going to play out? Just do it. Obey God. And and you say, well, it's going to get hard. Well, yes, it's going to get hard. It's going to get clearer, and it might not get better at first in terms of comfort, but the long-term benefits, as you're going to see, are all important. So firstly, faith is willingness to go. Secondly, faith is a willingness to forego. Now, this is just a play on words, but I think it's helpful. Faith is willing to not only go, but also forego things, give up things. So let's read the text, verse 9, Hebrews 11, verse 9. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, which we know now is the land of Canaan, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The first thing we must see here is that he was willing not only to go, but now that he has more information about where he's going, he is willing to give up. 
He's willing to give up some of the pleasures and the privileges of his former life. We, we learn from history books that there's only really one way to describe the city that Abraham is from. Ur of the Chaldees was a world-class city. It was a well-run country. It, it was rich. It was prosperous. Archaeologists tell us that they estimate that in Abraham's day, there were about 250,000 people that lived in Ur of the Chaldees. It was the center of philosophy. It was the center of astronomy. It was the center of commerce. It was the center of religion, although pagan. And people from outlying regions would move to Ur. Because they wanted to be part of this great city. And so the question then is, why would anyone want to leave? But for Abraham, it wasn't that he wanted to leave. It was that the call of God had come. And he's responding to the call of God. And responding to the call of God is not just going, but sometimes giving up. Giving up, foregoing privileges and foregoing comforts that we once had. Obeying the call of God means giving up for Abraham his friends and his family and his career and his traditions and his home and his position. Church, living by faith is no guarantee of worldly success. I mean, if someone had been a consultant at this point watching Abraham's life, they would have said at this point he commits career suicide. It was the worst thing for him to do in terms of climbing the corporate ladder and establishing his family with a nice home and safety and security. This was the worst thing he could have done. Notice as we develop our thoughts on the story that what God had promised him now he's going out on the basis of God's promise. That's why he's going. God had promised. What did he promise? Land. A promised land. Yes, Abraham's thinking this is going to be a good land. And then he realizes it's Canaan. Now, Canaan had its own resources. We know that there's some wonderful resources that emerged, but only later. They only really emerged later on. But for this particular point in, in the story, they're enemies. They're, they're a hostile people. They're a wicked people. And, and Abraham's expecting to walk in and receive this land as an inheritance. But notice what the text tells us. The text tells us that not only Abraham, but also Isaac and Jacob live out their entire lives in tents. Now, I know people that enjoy camping. They enjoy living temporarily in tents. But I know of no one who will live their whole lives in a tent. Susanna, maybe. Mark, you're in trouble. So, I get it, all right? So, camping for a weekend can be fun for some. But... Camping forever is not fun. But that's what these guys were called to. Not just Abraham, but Isaac and Jacob. The text tells us that they, they received an inheritance, but they lived out their lives in tents. So 
Is that the inheritance? Is this the promised land? The land of Canaan, which becomes the land of Israel and and, and eventually develops under King David. Is this the land that God had promised them? And their answer is yes and no. And the reason it's yes and no is because it was only ever a picture of a greater land, of an eternal land, which Abraham actually knew. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob knew that they were called to live in tents forever because this world was not their home. Have a look at Hebrews 11, verse 13 and verse 16. Now, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but it's important. These all died in what? Faith, not unbelief. They didn't die in unbelief. No, no, no. They finished the race well. They finished the race strong. They died in faith. Living in tents their whole lives. They, they eventually get to the end of their lives. And you would think, well, if God had promised me a promised land and an inheritance, and now he hasn't given it to me, if I was let down like that, I'm not going to die in faith. I'm going to die in unbelief because I'm disillusioned. God, you said it's a promised land. No, no, no. They did die in faith. Why? Because they were not looking to this land. They were not looking to the Canaan. They were not looking to Israel. They were looking to the eternal city. We read on, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them. And greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. But as it is, verse 16, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Not an earthly country, not a little piece of Palestine. No, no, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see, Abraham and his descendants were willing to forego, willing to give up all earthly attachments for the sake of the call of God. They were living as pilgrims. Not one foundation was dug. Not one picket fence was put up. This world was not their home. They were living for the next life. They were living for the eternal city of God. They were living for the heavenly Jerusalem. And so the question is, church, are you willing to forego for the sake of God, for the sake of the kingdom? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob had their hearts set on heaven, on an eternal glorious, never-ending city whose builder is God. And that explains why they could leave. Leave this city of Ur and walk away from position and culture and friends and family and leave comfort and live life in limbo. Because compared to eternity... It can't even compare. So faith is willing to go. Faith is willing to forego, give up privilege and status and position. And finally, we see that faith is willing to serve where you are. So here they are in the promised land, which is a picture of the eternal promised land. 
It's not the final promised land. The land of Canaan, Israel, is not the final promised land. We are waiting a heavenly Jerusalem, an eternal city, the new heavens and new earth. But while we are here, we don't just wait. Faith is willing to serve right there where you are. Notice that if we go back to the Genesis account, we find that Abraham eventually comes to a a place called Shechem. And it's an ungodly pagan village. And instead of hiding away, instead of going, wow, these people are so evil and so wicked, but this is where God's called me, I'm just going to retreat. I'm just going to hide away until things fall into place, and then I will start serving God. No, that's not what he does. Let's read it together from verse 5 in Genesis 12. When they came... To the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh, to the oak of Moreh. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord. Who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. In the midst of this idolatrous, wicked land. It's interesting how the text specifies the place, the Oak of Moreh. This, commentators tell us, is where all the Canaanite fortune tellers would gather to find out information about the future. It is speculated that they would listen to the rustling of the oak leaves. And in the rustling of the oak leaves, the trees would speak to them and tell them, well, this is what we are, need, this is what we are to know about the future. And in the midst of this religious environment and in the midst of this idolatrous culture, we see that Abraham's faith is not intimidated. Abraham doesn't retreat. He engages the culture. He engages it winsomely. He engages it with faith. He engages it with faith in the living God. What does he do? He builds an altar there. He engages with the culture. He's like, okay, you guys are religious. You are worshipers. So too am I. I worship the living God. And he builds an altar. He doesn't wait for things to improve. He doesn't wait for everything to fall into place. He doesn't wait for God's blessings to come. No, no. God has called him here. And so he acts. He serves God right where he is. Listen, there's something dangerous about you and I waiting for the right conditions before we serve God. You know, maybe waiting for, you know, my marriage isn't right, quite right in the right place. Well, maybe that's because you've stopped serving God to wait. Maybe if you just start serving God, that actually it will fix the problem. Or wait, I, I, I hear people say, I, know, I, will, I will worship and serve God when my kids are bigger. You know, right now it's very difficult. No, that's, that's just not, that's not Christian. That's not the life of faith. No, no, you serve 
where you are. You worship God in the situation. You fix your eyes on Him. You don't wait for a bigger home before you start to serve God. You don't wait till you have more money. You don't wait for a better job. You don't wait till you're more settled or more comfortable because then you'll never do it. Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. It's the willingness of faith. So let me summarize this and end. Was Abraham in the will of God? Was he in the will of God? He went to a tough place, a tough region, a tough people. He gave up everything. He, things went from good to bad, and he took a step of faith. Was he in the will of God? Yes. Was he right to leave Ur? Yes. Was he a man of faith obeying God? Yes. Was it easy? No. Life of faith is not always easy. So how did he manage? How did Abraham make it? How did all of them make it? How did they die in faith? How did they not lose their faith? How did they not drift to unbelief? They were willing to serve. And worship where they were. They were not waiting. In a sense, they were waiting for the eternal city, but they didn't wait doing nothing. So what did they do in the, in the process? Well, the text is so clear. They looked forward. They fixed their gaze on heaven. They fixed their eyes on the eternal city. And guess who was in the eternal city? The eternal Son of God. Jesus They fixed their eyes on Jesus. The New Testament tells us that the gospel was preached to Abraham. He believed it. He trusted in the seed of a woman who would come to crush the head of a serpent. He knew there would be a Messiah. He fixed his eyes. He looked forward to the eternal city where the king was always the eternal son of God. Jesus himself tells us this in John 8 verse 58. Jesus said to them, The religious Jewish leaders of the day said to them, Before Abraham was, I am. The eternal Son of God. And in fixing his eyes on Jesus, Abraham foreshadows the life of Jesus. We could take time to look at this, but just a couple of things. Jesus himself answered the call of God. To leave the comforts of heaven. To leave the glory of heaven. He left the prosperous, eternal bliss of his home with the Father. To go out into a hostile world. He obeyed. He went and he gave up his life. In order to save a people who were enemies of God. Talk about willingness. Talk about faithfulness. And so is it safe, the life of faith? No. Is it comfortable, the life of faith? No. Will it bring you worldly success? Not necessarily. If you're looking for safety and comfort and worldly success, you're going to have to look somewhere else than the Christian faith. But let me tell you this, and I can promise you this, that if you put your faith in Jesus, you will never be disappointed. And if you stand fast in faith, the Christian life that you walk may not, be, may not be easy. It may be difficult, but it will never be boring. Some of the most bored people I know, they have all the worldly riches. And they're bored. They're dull. They're depressed. 
Because all they have is money. But if you decide, if you decide to make the will of God your great priority, if you decide to choose to walk a life of faith following God, you will discover an incredible journey. A difficult journey. It's a narrow road, but it's a road that leads to life. It's not easy, but it's satisfying. It's exciting and it's satisfying, not only for this life, but for the eternal life that is to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us today. I really do pray that you would reach every listener, that you would work deeply in all of our hearts. This is your word to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its conviction. We thank you for its comfort. We thank you for the call that your word brings to us. I pray that we'd be a people who are willing, willing to go, willing to give up, and willing to serve right where you've placed us. Yes, it's not easy. And sometimes we step out in faith and things don't go quite according to how we had hoped or planned. But sometimes that is the plan. Because we've obeyed and trusted. And so Lord, I thank you that Abraham was rewarded in the most spectacular way because he died in faith. And he received an eternal inheritance. He is a partaker of eternal glory. And so we too, Lord, we fix our gaze. We look forward to that heavenly city. Yes, we've got work to do here. We've got lives to live and we've got families to care for and jobs to work. And we want to do that well, Lord. We don't want to be bad stewards. We're not saying that. We want to do life here well. We want to serve here to the best of our abilities. We want to please you, God, with what we have. But there's more to life. There's so much more. And so we thank you for your calling. We thank you for your word, which is fresh to us every day. We thank you that your word is full of life and it's full of direction. And we pray that we would submit to it and yield to your word and be willing to live it out. Be with us, your church, Lord. We pray that you would strengthen us. Pray that as your word goes out, you would cause it to bear much fruit. Let there be fruitfulness and let there be an advance of the gospel, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.